Hi, welcome to Makeup is the Foundation. I'm your host, Erica Carr. Today, we're speaking with a makeup artist, a hairdresser who hailed from the South, made her way to New York City and now Los Angeles, raising a family, working on a celebrity clientele, signed to an agency, and so much more. If you want to know about red carpet, editorial, working press junkets, and how to balance everything, stay tuned for this episode. It's a great one. Please welcome my special guest, Carrie Urban. Hi, Carrie. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me for Makeup is the Foundation podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honor to have you. You know, guys, if you don't know, you have to check out Carrie Urban. What is your um, website and Instagram? Uh, it's just my name, which is K-E-R-R-I-E-U-R-B-A-N. And you have been in the industry for a long time. When did you get your start and, and where were you raised? Where were you born and raised? Oh my gosh. I uh, got my start about um, 19 years ago, which makes me feel so old. <laughs> you don't even look like you're 19. You look so young. <laughs> well, thank you. But um, no, I so I left. Um, I am originally from North Carolina, from Chapel Hill. Uh, so a small town and uh, I moved to New York when I was 19 and I that was always my dream in life growing up I always wanted to go there my parents would you know take me and my sister sometimes at Christmas and I always loved it and knew someday I wanted to live there and wanted to be an artist or an actor or something I just didn't know what I wanted to do exactly and uh, yeah and then when I was 19 I finally got the courage to move up there I knew like two people um, and yeah, my, my parents were super supportive. They helped me get set up. I went to school there. I went to the Aveda Institute. Um, so I got my cosmetology license there. I started out in hair first. Uh, yeah. And then the, it just kind of snowballed from there. I really fell into it. And so, you know, sounding like, or telling somebody that is growing up in a small town at the time, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, um, that they can just move at 19 years old to New York City, it sounds kind of scary. So what gave you the courage to just do that? Is it just because you'd been there before or did you have a lot of support from your family? I had a lot of support from my family and I think it was just like being that age and just being really dumbly optimistic in a lot of ways. <laughs> And just thinking like, oh, of course this is going to work out because there's no other option. You know, it's going to work out. So, um, and, and I, I've always been pretty practical about things and I've worked since I was 15 years old. I always worked at restaurants. Uh, so I, I always knew that I could do something to make money and that I would survive. So it, it, yeah, it just sort of happened. And my parents were very supportive of me. Luckily, I mean, they're both very well educated people and I was like I think I want to just go do hair in New York and they were like okay that's so great that you had that support and that you had such a positive attitude because I know some people that really want to become artists sometimes their parents are like oh you should get the degree first for safety for sure. and then you can be an artist for sure and that was definitely because I went to college for one year but I went to art college so it was kind of like not really college um and I just honestly after that first year I said to my parents I was like I feel like I'm just wasting money like I don't want to be an art teacher I don't want to work at a gallery that's just not something I want to do I don't know exactly what I want to do yet but it's not that and 
actually my dad was the one who said to me and my dad is a surgeon so he is not but I mean he is an artist in terms of that he works with his hands and he always was you know he would build things he built me like a playhouse in my backyard like with his own hands like from scratch so he is I, I think an artist in his own way but he was very much like yeah then if you're gonna do this you need to go to the best school so where is that you do the research and you tell me so I found um, Vidal Sassoon in, uh, there was one in LA at the time, Oratonian guy, and there was one in London. And then there was the Aveda Institute, which was in Minnesota. And I personally hate cold weather. So I said, absolutely not, I'm not going to Minnesota. But the year that I looked, they were just opening up a branch in New York. So I applied and I got accepted to the very first class of the Aveda Institute in New York. And um, because of that, they were like, okay, if you're, if it's a great school, then we'll help you. And then once you graduate, I was on my own and I got a job right away and I just, you know, hit the ground running. And so you're, so you're 19, you're going to the first Aveda school um, opportunity in New York. And then, you know, you get your license and, and I know Aveda's program is really great. They help uh, build your confidence when it comes to selling retail because they were one of the pioneers, uh, you know, um, horse uh, Reckelbacher or Reckenbacher. Is that how you say it? Reckelbacher, horse Reckelbacher. Um, yeah. It was very influential on, you know, deriving like organic um, ingredients from different countries and also providing a lot of jobs for people. People, it's people yeah. probably know the history of Aveda, but I know their training is so, um, you know, on par with a Sassoon or a Tony and guy where I went. Um, and so when you when you experience all of this, and then you're like, okay, now I have to fight my way through this huge network of artists to kind of make a name for myself, which you did really well. How can you tell me, like maybe one of your first big breaks that you had in New York as as doing as doing hair and, and even makeup? How did you get into that? Um, well, probably, honestly, Fashion Week, because I went the salon route at first. And I remember them because the people that I learned under were like, um, uh, uh, Nick Arojo was the one that comes to mind mm-hmm. first. And actually, Daniel Martin, who is a huge makeup artist now, he just oh, did yeah. Meghan Markle's makeup. He was our teacher oh, at Aveda, yeah. <laughs> funny enough. And I, I saw him years later. I, I, don't, I don't remember how long ago. But he, you know, has been a freelancer. He's an amazing artist and an amazing human being. And I, I told him what a huge influence he had on me because I went for hair and I was always just like, yeah, okay, hair, I like that. But I remember seeing him and being so inspired by him as an artist and as a person that I was like, oh my God. And then I ran into him years later and now we see each other out at press events or at gifting suites and stuff. And I was just like, oh my God. I can't believe it. Um, it comes full circle, right? It really does come full circle. But he was one of my teachers, Nick Arojo, who's another like really great one. He was one of our guest teachers. But I remember that they would do editorial stuff. And I was just like, wait, that's a job? Because I'm from like tiny town. You know, I didn't know that people, that celebrities got their hair and makeup done every day or that any press event that they were on, that they had someone doing everything for them. I just thought that that's just how they, you know, like everyone does. If you're not in the industry, you just assume oh, that's just how they look. They just do their own hair and makeup and styling. Um, So I didn't even know that that was a thing. That all got opened up to me. And I remember the salon that I was working at uh, was called Parlor in the East Village, a cute little salon on Avenue B. And uh, they 
were doing something. I, I God, I have a terrible memory. <laughs> it was something for a fashion week and we were all doing it. And that was my first experience of like being backstage doing that kind of like session work where it's very fast paced. You know, you get a model and you have to get them done within like two seconds because they're running in from another show. They, their hair has already been done from that show. You have to like redo it or their makeup and you're like literally everyone is all hands on deck as you know too. Yeah, that's where we met. It was Fashion Week in New York. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for me, Fashion Week was like the first introduction to being, it's almost like a drug because you experience that and either you love it and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I love this feeling. I love this rush. I, it it kind of reminded me of the restaurant world too, where you're like yeah. in the weeds and you're all in it together and you get it done and you have such a sense of accomplishment at the end um, that I loved it. And I was like, I think I want to do this. I think this is it. And I ended up with a friend of mine who was a receptionist at the salon that I worked at. She um, had another friend who was a wardrobe stylist. And so she introduced me to her and I started doing test shoots with um, their team and then got more introductions that way. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just snowballs from there. It's all about people that you meet and referrals networking is huge yeah it really is yeah as cliche as it is it really is huge and it sounds like I mean I know it's kind of like a lot of people um and I tell this to them it doesn't matter if you're in New York or LA where the market is really saturated you still have to keep your nose really clean everybody knows everyone they all talk so um you have been so highly recommended and you get tons of referrals and and you know, fast forward from uh, however long you live. How long did you live in New York? Like I was in New York for ten years. Years, okay. Yeah, and then I moved to LA. Um, it's about eight years ago, I guess. Yeah, a little over eight years ago. It seems like just yesterday. I know. <laughs> I can't believe it. I still, when I still think about it, because I still have a, a New York number. I'm like, I'm from New York, but I'm not. <laughs> so, I'm almost an Angelino, which is crazy. And so because you worked in New York for so long and everybody, you know, that works both coasts, they're, they're really well connected. And, um, and your husband's also in the industry, right? Yeah, he's a photographer. He and I met uh, a little and a half years ago. We met on a shoot. And uh, yeah, and so he and I randomly have worked together. He'll request me for things sometimes or I'll, you know, give, like, refer him out. Like, we definitely, and we all have, like, a similar circle of friends because the industry is so tight-knit. Um, but yeah, so I think it's really cool that you, you know, when you first started out and you start looking like, wow, people actually get their hair and makeup done every day for all of these different things. And now, you know, fast forward, you're in LA and, and this is primarily what you do. You, you're on press junkets and you're going backstage mm-hmm. for, for award shows. And, um, I wanted to, you to talk about that. I think this is a part that a lot of people don't know. They know that, you know, celebrities get done. They know that, um, people have to get done for premieres, but when you're kind of tasked with someone or assigned to someone for on a regular basis because they, they trust you and they have worked with you, what's that like to kind of be in that world of always being like red carpet ready? Well, usually it means that I, the, the more, the busier I am, the more disheveled I look. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because I, you know, I always say like, oh, who's that homeless girl that just wandered in? Because I always look crazy by the end of the day or by the end of the press junket or whatever. Because the last thing that I care about is my own personal hair, makeup, or wardrobe. 
But um, well, let me ask you this. So for those of for those of you that are listening that don't know what a press junket is, can you kind of tell us like, I, I'm, I'm new, I don't know what that means. Okay, so the best way to describe my job to people who don't know, who are, are brand new to the industry or have no affiliation with the industry is that anytime you see an actor on a daytime TV show or on a nighttime show like a Conan or a, you know any sort of late night show, Anytime you see them with paparazzi, they've had full glam done. They've had hair, makeup, and styling. And they've all been prepped as to everything. Um, so they're, we're the machine in the background, you know? <laughs> and uh, and it's, it doesn't, it's, I'm glad that it looks effortless most of the time, <laughs> for sure. Like that's the appearance. But there's right. been a whole lot of thought and effort and time spent. Um, beforehand. So a lot of times if an actor has a TV show coming out, they want to do as much press as possible to let people know there's this new TV show coming out and I'm in it. So they'll go and make their rounds and they'll do all the interviews and it can be, you know, from the, the tiniest podcast all the way up to doing, you know, a run through like the Today Show and then all the, you know, all the different like stops that you make. So I'm usually trailing behind doing touch-ups along the way and sometimes our days start at like 4 a.m 5 a.m sometimes um today my day started at 6 30 i had a press junket this morning um and i wrapped at like 12 um so you know it's just it's all over the place but it's great because every day is different and i love when i do have return clients because like you were saying that means that someone trusts you that they want to be around you, you know, for that, sure. That they, um, they like your, you know, what you, the work that you have done and it's, you know, that they like you, they want you around as well. So it's always nice when you have a team that you work with a lot, which is lovely. And I love meeting new people too. I've been really lucky. I always have people ask me like, Oh, who's the worst person you've ever, you know, worked with or are they, <laughs> are they terrible or blah, blah. I've been so lucky that literally all my clients, I'm like, I've, it's not just because I have to sign NDAs. Like, really, everyone I've worked with has been lovely. And I've never so had nice a problem. to hear. <laughs> you know, you do both men and women. Um, yeah. When, you, when you're posting on, on your Instagram, we see that you're doing both men and women. And this is a question that I get asked all the time. And I'm also curious about if you're doing a press junket, say you're in New York. And say you're doing, you know, the Today Show, The View, and, you know, right. whatever. And then in, in the evening, you're doing, like, Trevor Noah. And you're doing Conan. And you're doing Jimmy Fallon. Yep. Um, the lighting in these studios mm -hmm. makes a huge in, impact on the makeup and possibly the hair that you're doing. So for someone that's like, oh my gosh, I got a Today Show job. How do I know? Like how much am I gonna pump this makeup up or how much am I gonna you know, tone this hair down or make sure it's perfect? Because I feel like each studio has different lighting and lighting temperatures. With Today Show, there's like possibly an outdoor right. influence. So how did you go about learning that? Was it just kind of, I figured it out on the go or did you have some kind of inside information well I definitely especially when I started getting into makeup I definitely assisted um which for me helped a lot just from watching and learning um and you know I came up during the time before YouTube tutorials and before social media I mean this is all relatively new and when my career was starting none of that existed like we we all had like a MySpace and a Friendster if even that so um <laughs> when you're learning, you're either practicing on yourself at home or on your friends or you're assisting and watching, you know, a really great artist and you're cleaning brushes. So I learned a lot from assisting, from doing fashion week, 
and from just reading like the old school way of looking through you know Italian Vogue and British Vogue and like all the you know looking through actual magazines and literally pulling out tear sheets from magazines of inspiration and then just trying things that's kind of how I learned um I definitely and I feel like also I still am constantly learning like I'll still do things and be like huh I could have and I think as artists too we're always like really nitpicky about ourselves of course but, yeah I think if you're not then I don't know you're just not in the place of growing anymore if you think like oh I'm the best I'm so great I have nothing to learn then why bother you know right. like <laughs> we all still have so much to learn no matter what and I love watching other people do their own makeup or their own hair I don't I find it fascinating one of my favorite things I'm like totally averting from the, what we were talking about but one of my no, favorite things to look at on Instagram <laughs> I love watching barbering videos because I'm obsessed with like a really good barber <laughs> Oh, there are some st- incredible barber videos. They're yes. fascinating. Oh, yeah. They I mean- are because actual real barbering is a skill. It is like such an art. And I'm so fascinated by watching barbering videos. Anyway, I don't remember what I was talking about before. But, <laughs> um, but oh, no, it's you, great because yeah, how do you learn doing... lighting is what you're asking. Yeah, um, just lighting in general, I think is, is important because I, I wonder like if you do have to go from the, you know, in the town car from the Today Show across town or even down the, you know, down yeah. the studio and it's slightly different you know, first of all, how much time do you have in between for them to like change and reaccessorize and then for you to touch up or change intensities if you, if you need to. And, and, you know, I, I would think that that happens so quickly. It happens so quickly. You honestly have no time. Like if you get a minute to touch up, then you're, it, you know, then you're lucky because normally you're just running from one thing to the next. And I end up usually doing touch-ups either right before the, they go on camera. So like in 30 seconds, or in the car on the way to and from different events. So you kind of have to start the day knowing what you're doing. Like if we're going to be doing all, you know, on camera press things, then you can, you want to go a little bit heavier, have a little bit more intensity because the lighting does wash out a lot and a really natural look will look like they completely have nothing on. So you have to do a little bit extra and for guys too, honestly, um, that's another question that people always ask me. They're like, guys wear makeup? I'm like, yes, <laughs> guys wear makeup. Oh. Of course they do, or they would be so shiny and red. They would be so shiny. They would look blotchy. They would look pale or red or pink or even green sometimes. Oh, But the trick is, if you're a good groomer, to make it look like the guy's not wearing makeup. Exactly, yes. That is the best thing. I hate when I can look at a guy in person because a lot of times guys are doing things in person and they're on camera I don't want to be able to look at a guy and see the makeup and be able to like feel like I could scratch it off with a spatula right. you know like <laughs> nobody that's wants just, that. <laughs> that's too much so I and I'm all for like bronzing guys I'll do a little light contour like I'm all for doing it like doing the full thing but in person they can't look crazy I always have to ask because I'm always curious because, um, you know, these comes up, come up in some of the groups that I, that I follow and, and try to help people with finding solutions to any issues that they've ever had. Have you ever had like a nightmare situation where you thought something was going to look amazing on camera and you're watching the monitor and you're like dying a little inside? Does that ever happen? I'm sure it has, but <laughs> I can remember. You've, um, you've executed it from your mind. It's not there anymore. Yeah. I probably honestly have, like, it's been 
strike from my memory because I, I know that I have. Well, really, the worst thing that's happened, and I, I don't want to say who this was, but um, for me, it's not like during the interview, but a lot of times I'll get someone ready and then I leave and then they'll go get in the car and they go to the red carpet. And most nine, like 10 times out of 10, I don't go with them. So I'll leave, you know, their hotel or apartment or house or whatever. And whatever they do in between the time when they get in the car to when they're on the red carpet, I have no control over. And that's when I have the panic attacks because I've seen people make a change that I'm like, I didn't do that. And I'll see on Getty images and I'm like, I didn't do that. I swear I didn't do that. And of course you're getting blamed because you're listed as their artist. Exactly. And I'm panicked and I'm going, well, that's it. This was a nice career. What's plan B? Right. So, because the press is not friendly in that capacity. They're just going to blame you no matter what. Yeah. Luckily that's only happened like a couple times where I've been like, oh no, what did they do after I, I left? Like did they added more bronzer or they changed the lip color completely or that, you know, something but that's usually I mean that's out of my control what am I gonna do but I can't tell someone like don't you dare do this now how often are you doing both hair and makeup are you primarily just hired for one or the other when you're you're working right now um for men it's always both um or almost always both I should say I they just want one person to show up and be able to do both and I'm fortunate and the reason that I do a lot of grooming jobs is because I have a background in cutting hair and yes. a lot of my guys want haircuts. And I I am definitely one of those people that, that does think that it, it is very beneficial to be able to cut hair as a groomer. I, I know, agree. Yeah, there are some groomers out there who don't, which is fine. They have their place as well. Um, for me, I find it very beneficial because I can actually give a haircut on set. And I'm confident about it. It's so satisfying when you're getting ready to groom and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to take off that neck fuzz and I'm going to fade your little sideburn and it's going to look good and you don't have to worry because I know I've showed up to do grooming jobs and they've just gotten a cut or they've just swung by whatever was available and you're like, oh, there's so many holes there. This is going to look so bad. And I'm going to put eyeshadow on your scalp so it doesn't look holy. You know? Exactly. <laughs> it's not blended and you're like trying to smush it down or something. I'm like, oh God, let me just fix it. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely an issue, but that's one of the reasons why that's kind of how I ended up going down the road of, of a lot of grooming is because I have that training, which is great. Like I, I still love cutting hair. I, you know, still find a lot of joy in it. And I love working with guys. I also really love doing women's makeup as well. The funny thing is that most of what I do now is either women's makeup or men's grooming. I don't do a lot of hair only jobs, funny enough. I've kind of gotten away from that. Um, and mostly I say just because I've been doing hair for so long that it's just not that exciting to me anymore. Like I can do it if I have to. Right. If I get booked on a job that's hair and makeup, I'm fine. I'm happy to do it. Um, but my focus and my heart is just not in fully doing hair right now. When you are setting up for a, a women's makeup, um, you know, walk me through your process. Like when you're setting up, I know a lot of times for me, in my experience, I ha it's kind of like a religion for me. I like to set up my skincare a certain way. I like to set up my, you know, brushes a certain way, things I use constantly, like these certain tweezers I love. I have to have them really close. Do you have like a pattern or a setup that is always the same? I do in that I have everything um, very compartmentalized and everything is in bags and I know where everything is so that I'm not searching. 
because I have so much stuff. I mean, I have one of those massive Burton bags. Oh, <laughs> that, those are the best. Yeah, it's a guy called The Beast. And the beast lives in my car constantly. And uh, so, and I have literally everything in it because you just never know what you're going to need. True. As you know, you can show up on a job and they're like, we want really simple and natural. And the next thing you know, they're like, do you have yellow glitter? And you're like, okay, you know? So right. you just have to have everything. And, oh, sorry, my dogs are going to bark. Oh, no, that's okay. I, and I love that you're a dog lover too. Yeah, um, I'm a huge dog lover. <laughs> um, and you're... You're going back and forth, right? You're doing bi-coastal work. So I know a lot of times you're posting like, hey, I'll be in New York for a couple of days if you want anything. Are you doing hair there? Are you doing jobs or a little bit of everything? So I still have some hair clients in New York who are super loyal to me. And they've actually, I, there's only a handful of them left. I want well, to say probably about 10 or so of people that I've just been doing their hair for years. And um, so I let them know when I come to town in case they want me, because I make house calls. So I'll make a house call and I'll do cut and color at home. And the people that I do, um, I don't like advertise it really, um, other than through friends and referral, like close referrals, that kind of way, because I just do hair because I still love it. And that way, like I still love doing color. I still love cutting. And I, I truly love the people that I work with, my clients that I have in New York. Um, we've become friends as well. So I still reach out to people and let them know like, hey, I'm going to be in town for a press junket. I'm going to stay an extra day or two and do some of my clients if you want to fit in this spot. And I've been so lucky that a lot of my clients um, are so loyal that they do wait for me, even though sometimes it's more infrequent, especially when I um, I had my daughter a couple, like two and a half years ago and I didn't come back to New York for like a year. And some people, like one of my clients flew out to LA at one point and I was just like, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they really I mean, love you. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's amazing. So now whenever I go to New York, I try and because um, I really value the the loyalty there as well. So I always try and make a special effort to either make a trip or stay extend a trip to stay longer to do those hair clients. You know, one thing I'm since you brought up your daughter, I want to talk about that because there are so many artists out there that um, I see people talking in, in groups all the time. They're like, oh, I'm getting ready to have a baby or I, you know, I have a, a child that, and I kind of walked away from my business a little bit. And I mean, you and your husband are in the industry. You have a child, you have pets, you're going by coastal. How do you balance all of this and, and still maintain um, the, the career that you have? It's a constant juggling act. My husband and I always say that we just like kind of high five each other as we pass each other on the way out the door. Like he'll come in <laughs> and then I'm leaving usually or vice versa. Um, but we have a really great nanny that we love and trust and is essentially part of the family now because we don't have any family in California. So that makes it tricky um, for childcare. But I mean, the craziest thing is that somehow it just all works out. Uh, we are lucky that we have a lot of friends who are very helpful too, that they have taken um, our daughter, Violet, they've taken her if we need to, you know, for be like, can we just drop her off for a couple hours? Like where there's a gap in between when we have help. And because we're both freelance, our schedules are all over the place. So you just never know what it's going to be like, you know, but I mean, you can do it. It's totally, it's because I remember when I was pregnant with her, I was like, how the hell are we going to do this? I had no idea how we're going to make it work because some days, you, you know, you're off all day and then you don't work till five o'clock at night for two hours. You know, it's just, it's a weird schedule, but you just kind of stay flexible and just go with it. And as it comes, you do it. 
and how do you make time for just you guys? I know you you love Hawaii. I know you have a, an attachment to yeah. Hawaii. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people, once they find out that they can juggle all of these different components, they forget to take time for themselves and for their family to recharge. And, and how do you do that? And I know it's really important to you to do that. Oh, for sure. I definitely take my my private time and my family time as something that is very important. And I, in the past, I have booked out vacations. And then if a big job comes up, then I'll cancel the vacation. And now I tell my agents, I don't want to know. Like if, if I'm going to be gone, and usually we'll go to Hawaii for like 10 days a year at least. Well, sometimes we try and go more. Um, then I'll just be like, I'm this, I'm going, I don't want to know. Like, <laughs> please don't tell me if I don't know about it, I won't be sad. So, um, <laughs> and then we just, we have to make time for ourselves too, because it's just so important to stay connected as a couple and as a family. And I don't want to miss my daughter growing up. You know, I don't, I love my career and I love my job. But my career is not going to be there for me when I'm older, you know, like I, my daughter is way more important. So, and most people understand that in all honesty, like I've even had situations where I've had issues with childcare and I've had to ask clients if I can bring my daughter. (laughs) I love that. It's amazing. It's never something I ever would have thought I would do, but it's only been with clients that I either know really well or have said to me in the past, like, oh, you should bring her next time. And then if I get stuck in a situation of being like, oh my God, I don't have childcare. Then I say, well, they did say to bring her. So let me just ask. And if they say no, then I'll find someone else. But, um, so she's come with me a couple times, especially recently. I think she's come with me to a few jobs and uh, I think it's important for her to see her mom working, you know, and just, I totally and, agree. I think, yeah. I think it's really important for moms out there and, and people that have families uh, to know that this is an option. You just have to ask and you know, all they, they could say no, but um, I've had people even ask me, they're like, Oh, I wish I could take this class of yours, but I have a newborn or I have a baby. I, I can't do it. And I'm like, Hey, you know, if you can be there and you can and navigate, you know, your childcare situation, bring your child. I don't mind. I mean, of course we don't, we can't really have like a toddler running around when we have a hair class right. with irons and stuff, but if they're well behaved and they can, you know, still enjoy the situation or actually work and, and the child is okay. I don't see what's a big deal if the client doesn't mind. I think that's amazing that you do that. That's so great. Yeah. I just want her to know that especially in this day and age with everything that's going on in the world, I, I want to set a good example for her being a female growing up at this time in the world that you can have a family life and you can work hard and you can do both of those things well and happily. You don't have to choose. I think you being a, you know, someone from the South who put her mind to it with a, with a supportive family uh, and you went to New York and you made it and then you went to LA and you made it and you have a beautiful family and you have an amazing career. What piece of advice could you offer someone that's listening that is, you know, really wants a similar trajectory as you, um, someone that might feel like, oh, I've done everything. I just don't know what to do now. Um, because you, you know, what you guys don't know, and you should definitely follow Carrie on, on Instagram and just follow her career because she's always working. She's always working with a positive attitude, no matter what's going on behind the scenes, like she said. Um, but what piece of advice could you offer someone out there that really wants a, a career like yours? Well, first of all, thank you for all that. Um, but <laughs> I, I think my best advice 
because everyone's path is so different. You know, everyone's trajectory is different. And I really think that the best advice I can give you is that is just to do what makes you happy. And if saying yes to every single job makes you happy, like in the beginning it did for me, I, it made me so happy to be able to do everything. And I wanted to do everything and I wanted to meet everybody. I never wanted to say no. And that made me really happy was to be always busy. Now I'm at a different place in my, in my life where I do say no because I value time with my two and a half year old and with my husband and I want to go on trips and I want to enjoy the life that we have taken time to build for ourselves. So I think it's just, you have to find your balance, you know, of what makes you, what makes you happy and, and love your work. You know, you need to be at the point where you aren't going, Ugh, I have to go to work. You know, you need to feel like, yes, so happy and excited and like, oh, yes, I get to work for this really cool person or I get to do this like really fun thing that I've always wanted to do. And you have to just keep the perspective of, man, five years ago, I would have killed to be where I am now because I definitely fall into the the rut of, of comparing myself on like social media and whatnot to other people being like, oh, well, that person is doing X, Y, and Z. They're going on this world tour and they're doing that, you know, and thinking, oh, their career is so much better. And and that is such a slippery slope. I think you just need to be present and happy in the moment that you're in and just know that, you know, wherever you are, you are doing your best. Great advice from a great human who's extremely talented and driven and we can all learn something from Carrie Urban. Thank you so much for joining me today. And um, oh my gosh, of course. Thank you. Do a follow up in the future. This is awesome. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah, thank you. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Makeup is the Foundation. Join me next time for talk about makeup, business, career, life, and everything else. Have a great day.